Well, who here considers themselves an introvert? If you're introverted, raise your hand. Uh, Some of you are so introverted, you didn't want to raise your hand for fear an extrovert might talk to you about it later. Uh, I know this because I are one. I'm an an introvert as well. Uh, Many people don't believe me when I say that, probably because I'm very extroverted on the platform, but I'm very introverted off the platform. I've learned to adapt and, and overcome certain aspects of that in order to be a pastor, but I'm an introvert at heart. Like, I am horrible at small talk. Horrible. If I'm talking to you after the weather and the latest sports information, I'm pretty much tapped out. That's all I got for, for talking. I just don't know what to say next. Like, like put me on a stage in front of 5,000 people, I'm, I'm at home. Put me in, in a room with five people, I literally have no idea what to do. I, I don't know what to do. I'm an introvert at heart. My, my wife, Sabrina, she's an introvert. My best friend, Todd, he's also an introvert, which is perfect for me. Like there's times where I can be with either one of them and we will go long periods without saying a word to each other. It's glorious. <laughs> Sometimes I think if I could just fill my life up with these kind of people, I would have it made. And some of you are starting to question whether I should be your pastor or not. If you're new here, you might be thinking, you're the pastor? Yes, if you don't know, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And uh, even though I'm introverted, I am so glad that you are here today. I would honestly love to meet you if you're new. Uh, You can do that out in the lobby following this service. And and for everyone who is here today and anyone joining us on video somewhere, I'm just so glad that you are here as well. If you are introverted, you might relate to the things I've said Or you might resonate with some memes about introverts I found online. I promise you I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Promise. So so I'm going to show you a couple memes. The the first one is kind of a guide to uh, uh, introvert inclusion. Here's, Here's what it says. Sometimes we want to be left alone. Sometimes we want to be included. Most of the time, we want to be included with the option to be left alone. That basically describes uh, every introvert in, in the room. If you ever wondered how, uh, what introverts feel about parties or uh, how they feel at parties, here's a little twist on the Dos Equis commercials. Uh, I don't always go to parties, but when I do, I don't want to be there. <laughs> That's like me right there. And then it is Groups Promotion Month here at Element, so I thought I would cue you in on how introverted people feel about small groups. Check this, this one out. A group of people is called a no thanks. <laughs> so so where, where am I going with, with this? Well, today's week number two in a sermon series we're in called 2020, and in the series we're kind of talking about having a clear vision for our life. Zig Ziglar, a well-known author and communicator, said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. I don't know about you, but I don't want to aim at nothing in my life. I want to have a clear vision, a plan, 2020 vision for my life. So I started off talking about my introvertedness to acknowledge that I struggle with what I'm preaching on today. It doesn't come natural to me. I don't always enjoy it, but I I know I need it. And if I don't intentionally pursue this thing we're talking about today in my life, if I don't have a vision for it in my life, I'm just not going to do it. It doesn't come natural to me. I'll be aiming at nothing in that area of my life. This whole series uh, was born in my heart last July 
as I worked through developing what's called a life plan. It's a, just a vision kind of for your life. It's broken up into 10 different life accounts, and you discover some uh, verses that become theme verses for your life from Scripture. You write a vision statement and, a, and a, a purpose and goals and action steps for all the different life accounts. It, it really was life-changing for me. It brought so much clarity and focus into where I want to be going in this Life. If you're interested, not everybody is, but if you are, we do have some more sample life accounts uh, out at the Next Steps wall. They're just two pages with an overview and instructions on one side and a sample life account on the back side. Those are all available at the Next Steps wall. Uh, you can also go to my website, jeffmanis.com, and this last week I did a whole detailed post uh, about kind of the process I went through. I'd give you a sample, a portion of my completed life plan. If you're interested, you can do that. This, this scripture we're using uh, for our theme scripture for this series is actually my life verses. So the theme scripture, Psalm 92, 12 through 15, uh, is something that I believe is, is uh, I, I want to pursue in my life, but it's so powerful and so general, I think it really uh, is applicable to everyone in life. Psalm 92, starting in verse 12, says this, and this really is the vision that, that I think we want to pursue, we should all want to pursue somehow in life. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they, the godly, are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. So last week, we focused on verse 12 and talked about having a vision to flourish spiritually in our lives. Next week, uh, we're going to look at verse 14 and talk about producing fruit in our lives. And to help us do that, on Monday night, January 27th, uh, we are going to be hosting Joe Sangle and the Financial Learning Experience. Joe is the founder and CEO of I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. He's a great friend of Element Church, and he's going to be here uh, to, to, to teach us about producing fruit financially in our lives. He is by far the most encouraging and inspirational communicator and teacher on money that you will ever hear in your life. At the FLE, the learning experience, he will walk us through some tips and tricks financially, you know, budgeting tools, uh, debt reduction, saving, investing. If you've not been here for Joe before, you don't want to miss it, I promise you. If you have been here before, he's coming with some even new material. Uh, he just wrote a book and released it called 2020 Money, so he'll be taking some of that stuff and, and adding it as well. Uh, this is open to the public, so feel free to invite anyone to come. It's a benefit for, for everyone who's there from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on Monday the 27th. Free childcare as well, and free dinner at 5.30 p.m. So married couples in the room, date night right there, FLE, Monday night, 27th. That's, that's going to be next week. Just want to give you a heads up. Today, I want to focus on verse 13 in our theme scripture as kind of our springboard for our discussion. It's the verse in my life verses that challenge and convict me the most. And as an introvert was the most difficult part of developing my, my life plan in this area. Verse 13 said, the godly will flourish in the courts of our God, which is hard for me, the introvert, because what it's literally saying is the godly flourish in community. The godly will flourish in connection to other people. 
And I don't always like other people. <laughs> so it's difficult for me to do. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Like in my head, I know in my head how, how true it is that I need connection. I need community. I just don't naturally live it out in my life. I believe it so much, we made it a major part of our vision here at Element. And look at our vision. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, to connect into meaningful relationships and make a lasting impact. It's actually one of our core values too, our value of better together, that we become the most like Christ when we are connected together through Christ. It's what we believe. Uh, and, and we see this all through scripture, by the way. Uh, Romans 12, 4 and 5 says this, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, that's the church, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Everyone say belong. belong. That we all belong to each other, that I belong to you and you belong to me, which I think is part of a song lyric that I will spare you from hearing me, me sing. Like, we belong to each other. That, that not only should we, should we love each other, but we actually need each other. We are not made to do life alone. That we are family, which is also a song lyric with motions. I won't sing it, but now you will for the rest of the day. You're welcome. <laughs> pastor Brendan, our youth pastor, uh, two Sundays ago, actually preached an amazing message on the church as a family. If you miss it, you should go back and watch or listen to it. It really, really is powerful. Uh, according to our theme scripture, we won't flourish. We won't be strong if we choose to do life outside of community. If we choose to do life not connected with other Christians in the church. So here's the big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. You can survive without being connected, but you'll struggle to have the strength you need. You can survive. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be connected, but I promise you, you're going to struggle to have the strength that you need. In my life plan, I got really specific on how I was going to step out of my comfort zone and intentionally connect with other people in my life, both inside and outside the church, both Christian and non-Christian people. And listen, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, like you don't believe in God, uh, I'm so glad that you are here. But, but even people who don't believe, even if you're not a Christian, you still need connection. Uh, you still need community. You're not made to live life alone. So you can survive without being connected. But you will struggle to have the strength you need. So here's the big question we've got to, got to ask. How does connection make me strong? I'm the kind of guy that if, if, I say, if I'm, if I'm going to believe something, I, I want to know where, where, this, where does this go to. Like, I don't naturally connect. So if I'm going to connect, I want to know there's a benefit. So how does connection make me strong? That's a, that's a big, big deal for me. And we're going to see the answer in Galatians 6, verses 1 through 3. So Galatians is in the New Testament portion of the Bible, uh, and it's, it's home to the very first verse I'm challenging our church to memorize this year. Uh, that was born from, we're going to try to memorize a verse a month, and that was born from last week's message on flourishing spiritually. And the first verse that we're trying to memorize as a staff and as a church is Galatians 1 verse 10. Um, any, I, you don't, I won't ask anybody to, to say it, to repeat it out loud, but does anybody have the verse memorized already? 
Uh, okay, a couple of my staff members should have had their hands up. Okay, yeah, got some people. Thank you. So a couple of you do. That's, that's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get it. I think I got it a little bit wrong in first service. I, I didn't even put it in my notes, not on the screen, so I want to I try this out. Uh, but even if I fail at doing this, it actually fits perfectly with the verse. Because if I fail, I'm not trying to please you anyway. So uh, Galatians, you'll, you'll see, Galatians 1 verse 10 says this. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I think I got it that time uh, with the right words. So if you don't own your own Bible, by the way, um, no, you don't have to clap. Please don't clap. <laughs> no, please do more. No, just kidding. Uh, if you don't own your own Bible, we'll give you one for free. Uh, you can grab one out in the lobby. Just ask for a Bible out there. We do believe the Bible is the word of God, and, and we would love to have you uh, have that in your life. Galatians 6, starting in verse 1, says this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, key words, help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So how does connection make me strong? Number one is this. In connection, there should be safety. In connection, there should be safety. I'm using the phrase should be in every point in this message because the reality is not all connections in life, not all connection, connections in Christianity, and not all connections in the church do these things, by the way. In fact, there are, there are some connections that have maybe injured you in the worst of ways. So, but this is what should be taking place, what we're looking at. This is what should take place in, in godly connection. One of the reason, con reasons connections make us strong is because in connection, there should be safety. It, referring back to Galatians 6.1, it said that we should be helping each other stay on the right path, helping each other get back on the right path when we've strayed away. We should be protecting one another spiritually, protecting one another from wandering into sin, protecting one another from the attack of Satan in our lives. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says this, describing how Satan works in our lives. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I'm, I'm no lion expert, but that pretty much describes how a lion hunts, does it not? I mean, lions are stalkers. They stalk their prey. They, 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 they follow them, waiting for the perfect opportunity. They, they, they try to find the, the weakest, the most vulnerable, the injured, the sick. They wait till that one is isolated from the herd, and they attack. Like, nature's figured this out. We, we, we see this. Lions are much less likely to attack an animal, even a sick, injured, or, or weak one. They're much less likely to attack an animal if they're inside of a herd. So you, there's actual physical analogies to the spiritual thing God's trying to get us to do. That there should be some safety in our connection. I, I would encourage you, not right now, because I'd be distracting, but I encourage you sometime, go to YouTube and search Herd Attacks Lion, H-E-R-D, Herd, Herd Attacks Lion, and there are literally dozens of videos on there, amazing videos. I would, I would show one to you, 
but most of them start with an animal being mauled to death by a lion, and then the herd comes in and attacks the lion, protecting the one who's being injured. So I didn't want to scar everyone for life or scare all the children in the room, so look it up on your own. But I did find some amazing pictures online of this happening. So here's the first picture. This picture was actually taken by someone on a safari. There was a lion nearby, and these elephants have made a barricade around a mother giving birth to its child inside that herd. When the mother was most vulnerable, they formed a barricade to keep her safe. I love this next picture. It's a beautiful black and white picture taken by a world-renowned uh, photographer. But again, lion was nearby. This elephant herd, they, they formed a barricade, a circle, a group, around a baby that's inside that group. The baby's not even the one standing there. See that little guy in the front? Like that dude, he's awesome. He's like, come at me, bro, man, come on. <laughs> right? That's what he's like. That's what I see when I, when I see that. Behind him, inside that group's a little baby protecting from, from the lion. Elephants do this to protect the weak, the young, the vulnerable, the injured. And listen, those pictures... That should be what our church looks like for each other. That, that if you're in a small group, and we actually believe every single person should be, I'm in a small group, all of our staff's in a, in a small group, we believe they truly are the best place to kind of connect in relationships and take our faith to the next level. Like, like if, if you're in a small group, many of them starting this week, those pictures should be what our small groups look like. That, that there's safety, there's protection inside of that group spiritually. It doesn't mean nothing bad can ever happen to you. It just means that when bad things come our way, when the enemy attacks, we have people who are helping us see the, that we're going down the wrong way. Uh, point out the enemy when we don't see it for ourselves, letting us know what our blind spots are. In our series, we're, we're using this palm tree as a symbol of our spiritual life. It's from our theme scripture, but really this is a symbol of what the godly person should look like. Last week we saw how the godly flourish like palm trees. We looked at some very real, scientific, natural ways that palm trees survive that relate to our spiritual lives. And it actually even relates to our, our connected life. Um, look what Albert Barnes said in his uh, commentary on the palm tree flourishing in the courts of God. He said this, uh, kind of relating himself to the palm tree. I have been kept unharmed like a green and flourishing tree, a tree protected in the very courts of God, the church, safe under the care and the eye of God. And I would also add safe under the care and eye of God's people. That in connection, inside of God's church, there's safety, care under the eye of God and his people. You, can you don't have to be in a small group to get to heaven, I promise you. Now you, can, you can survive without being connected, but you're going to struggle to have the strength that you need. So how does connection make me strong? It should provide some safety. Second thing, or the second verse we see here is Galatians 6 verse 2 says this, Share each other's burdens and in this, and in this way obey the law of Christ. I love, by the way, how, how this idea here we're going to look at fits also with the idea of a palm tree. 
The, the theme scripture, uh, uh, look how the Benson commentary describes the palm tree from our theme scripture in his commentary, talking about how the, the palm tree is transplanted to the Lord's own house, says this. The Lord's own house refers to the church. The godly are planted and fixed there and incorporated with his people. Like the trees mentioned in verse 12, they shall remain green, extend their cooling shade, refresh many by their sweet and nourishing fruit, or support and adorn others by their useful qualities and increase continually in grace and goodness. That word support reminds me of Galatians 6.2, share one another's burdens. So, so here's the second way connection should make us strong. In connection, there should be support. There should be some support in our connecting to one another. That we should share one another's burdens, as Galatians said. Helping each other carry our burdens and, and support one another, like that commentary said. Here's the thing, though. And this is the hardest part, I think, for most people. Yes, there are a few people who don't have a problem with this, but for the most part, as human beings, we're kind of prideful, and so we, we struggle with this part. Like, usually... We don't mind someone uh, sharing their burdens with us. We don't mind sharing someone else's burden or, or, or carrying it with them or carrying it for them. What we struggle with is we don't want to tell anyone else about our own burdens, especially the really deep parts of our lives. We don't like that. But here's the reality. You can't truly share each other's burdens unless you're willing to share your own. Galatians 6.2 said, share each other's burdens. If only one person is sharing and the other one's not willing to, it's a one-way street. There's no each other, it's just one. As Pastor Craig Rochelle said from Life Church in Oklahoma City, you're only as strong as you are honest. And, and, and in saying that, he's not talking about telling the truth. He made that statement in a setting talking about whether you are transparent or not to someone in your life. Like we all need a place or a person or a connection, not who we can tell anything to, but who we can tell everything to. And there's a difference now, now, I'm not saying, like, there are some people who tell the wrong people the wrong things at the wrong time. Like, they share everything with everybody. It's not, I'm not saying you should do that. Please don't show up at small group for the first time this week. You don't know anybody, and you just share all your deepest, darkest secrets with everyone in the room. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? But, but with that said, I'm a firm believer, firm believer, that not everyone you're connected with should know everything about you, but someone you're connected with should. Why? Because you're only as strong as what you're willing to share. You're limited. Your strength is limited by what you share. Listen, our, our groups, our small groups, they should be a place where anything can be shared and you're still supported. That's the setting we're trying to create. Anything. Now, it doesn't mean that, that you can share anything and, you'll, and, and that action will be approved. In fact, sometimes in our groups, there might need to be some correction. Some leading back onto the right path. Some pointing out that maybe that's where the enemy is actually tempting you and leading you away into sin. It, it, 
Sometimes we share things and then there's safety because our connections actually point out where we're going the wrong way. But if I don't share those things, who's going to speak into my life? Who's going to see my, my blind spots? Like true support is not based on what skeletons are in your closet. True support is based on our love for each other. Romans 12 verse 9 says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. How do we do that? We, we give support through sharing one another's burdens. You, you can survive. Again, nobody has to be connected. It's not required. You can survive without it. But you're going to struggle to have the strength that you need. So how does connection make me strong? In connection, there should be safety. And in connection, there should be support. And then number three, in connection, there should be service. I probably should have said serving, but it's too late now. It's on the screens. In connection, there should be service. Galatians 6.3, the last verse in our main scripture says this. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Dang. That's in the original Greek. Just kidding, it's not, but dang. Like, maybe we should memorize that verse, right? Can, can we put that back up on the screen? Galatians 6, 3, can we get that back up there? Like, I'm going to put I in place, because it's very easy to say you. You should read it this way to yourself. If I think I'm too important to help someone, I'm only fooling myself. I'm not that important. Dang. <laughs> In July of 2013, a 30-year-old woman who was on a crowded platform at a train station in Tokyo fell in between the, the, the small crack between the platform and the stationary train, standing still, and she got stuck there, couldn't get out. Now, thankfully, the, the people around her alerted the authorities in time to make sure the train didn't move, which would have crushed her to death. But she fell with such force that they couldn't get her out. That, that small opening, however large it was, I don't know, but she was so wedged in there, they couldn't pull her out and she couldn't climb out. The only way to get her out was by moving the 32-ton train car without crushing her. So an announcement was made on the PA system of what was happening. And the, the people then on, on her platform responded. A newspaper reporter happened to be there and captured the image on photo. Here's what, what it looks like. So that, that whole train right there, nearly everyone who was on that platform, all of them together, you can see their hands, one hand a, a piece up on that, all of them together, they leaned the 32-ton train car away from the woman enough to pull her out, and it saved her life. Now, how did that happen? Like, like pick any one of those people, any one of them. Put anybody on the planet in that picture. There isn't any one person who had the power to move that train on their own. But all of them together collectively doing their part, and they moved a 32-ton train car and saved a woman's life. That picture, by the way, 
is also what our church should look like. Each person doing their part to serve the needs of those who are around them. And in the process, collectively together, we will accomplish what others call impossible. But we do it together, not on our own. We, we serve as a part of our connection. So this seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Like, how does it make me strong if I give myself away in service? How does it make me strong if I sacrifice my own strength for the sake of someone else? I mean, how does serving produce strength? This is, by the way, the upside-down world called God's kingdom. He takes what we think and he flips it upside down and says, here's actually what I'm talking about. And this is described in Philippians chapter 2 with this beautiful image of Christ. Philippians 2, 6 through 11 says this about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, that word means servant, and was born as a human being. We can't fathom that. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, because of that, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, which is what we sang about earlier, and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's strength, by the way. And, and where did that strength come from for Jesus? The Father gave it to him when he willingly and sacrificially served you and served me, giving up his rights as God to become one of us and then doing nothing wrong, die in my place for my sins and then rose from the dead. And God said, I'm, I'm, I'm elevating Jesus to the place of highest honor and strength. Why? Because he served. <laughs> he served. He didn't think too highly of himself. Like Galatians 6.3 said, even though he has every right to. If anybody has a right to think highly of themselves, the creator does. And yet he humbled himself to connect with other people. Hello. Jesus had a small group. You realize that? He had 12 disciples and then three that were his closest friends. And in his deepest times of need, who did he go to? His small group. Pray with me. Pray with me, he said. For my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. That's what Jesus said. So you're telling me Jesus needed a small group, but you don't? Come on. I didn't say that first service, so. 
Someone here needed to hear it. Here's what I wrote in my life plan. It's not on the screens, but here's what I wrote about my pursuing connection. We are not made to live life alone. If, we are, if we're going to flourish, we only flourish in the courts of our God. We flourish in a body, the body, not in isolation. As an introvert, this is something I have to do intentionally. I don't naturally gravitate to community, but I know I need it. So I will deliberately seek out deep relationships with a few people and friendly relationships with others. And then here's what I call my vision for this part of my life. By age 65, I did a 20-year life plan. Sabrina and I will have built a handful of lifelong relationships that are closer than a brother. We will know every one of our neighbors by name and seek to serve them as a part of our community. Our home will be a place that regularly has new people in it as we seek to be the body of Christ together. If I, if I don't, and then I, I built some you know, action steps to make that happen. If, if I don't do that, I'm not gonna do it naturally. Some of you will. Some of you are extroverts to the core, like connections, no problem. But I need a plan or it ain't happening. So do you have a plan for your connection? Is, that, is it a priority in your life? And as, as an introvert, for the introverts in the room, I know how hard it is, but we need it. We need it in order to be strong. Mark 10, 45 says this about Jesus, because really any connection I make doesn't matter if I don't have the connection of Christ. He said, for the, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. That Jesus came to serve, to pay the price for our sins. And he says, by faith in me, the resurrected Jesus, by faith in me, I will not only forgive you of all your sins, but I'll give you power to live your life with and for me every day. And then one day you'll spend eternity with me. The God who came to serve you, I, I want that. But it starts with, with knowing Jesus. Small groups don't create life. <laughs> they help you live it, but they don't create it. Only Jesus does that. So if you're here today and you want to talk to somebody about what it means to put your faith in Jesus, please find me. Find a volunteer, a staff member out in the lobby. Stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium. There's a prayer team that will, we just want to talk to you. We, we can't force you. We won't force you to put your faith in Christ. All we can do is talk. And, and we hopefully will let you know what, what Jesus has done in our lives, and then you gotta make that decision. If you have prayer need of any kind, in fact, you can stop by the purple tent back there, and our prayer team will pray for you. If you're watching or listening online, you can email us your prayer request, and we'll make sure and pray for you as well. Let me close in prayer, and then remain seated. I've got one closing remark. Lord, you're so good. Thank you that you don't leave us in isolation. You call us to this thing called community, connection, and then you built your church around the premise that we all need connected. So for everybody in the room, believer, non-believer alike, I pray that we'd find connection in a church. Doesn't it be this church? Lord, I pray it'd be found in a church, that it, would, that it would provide some safety and provide some support and provide some serving in our lives, that we together, as your body, can move 32-ton car trains doing the impossible for you. God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name.
Amen. If you're new, uh, please stop by the living room on your way out. We'd love to see you there. If you want to sign up for a small group, it's not too late, all right? Just fill out the card on the brochure in your seat. Stop by the table. Go to the Next Steps wall. Even if you're not a believer, there's a group for you. Uh, there's one called Starting Point. Be a great place to start your uh, learning about God. Love you guys so much. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.